I think there's there's a couple of things. One is that you initially you buy what you like, you know, uh, what speaks to you. Um, art is one of the last few things where you literally, it is all about how it affects you. Like, do you like it? If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. All right, welcome everybody to the Art and Equity Summit with me, Anajay Henderson with the Zucot Gallery. I'm very uh, excited to have him here. He's gonna, we're gonna go through the art of collecting, specifically uh, what it's like to be a black collector, the psychology behind it, the mindset you need to have. We're just honored to have him participate, be a part of the Disruption Now ecosystem. Uh, welcome. Thank you, thanks so much, happy to be here. Yeah, well, you know, happy to have you. So how does one, you are into, you're an engineer like myself. I'm an electrical engineer. You're a mechanical engineer, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So how, do, how does one move from the space of the technology space to getting into art collection? Like walk me through that process of how that happened. I think for me, uh, my brother and I are both engineers, uh, along with our father, Aaron Henderson. All right, I love it. Black excellence all throughout, generational. Let's make it happen. <laughs> My father uh, was an artist. Uh, um, he, was, he was the campus artist at Tuskegee when he was there. Um, and he's, he was painting our entire life. Uh, so when we went on to college, my brother and I, uh, who's three years older than me, you know, we, we grew up around art. So we grew up exposed to it. And I think that's really important in this conversation where the exposure piece, so it was natural for us to be around art and appreciate art. And... Um, not just visual, but from all different types of, of art, from performance to um, to uh, different types of, um, you know, from plays to dancing to all those different types of to form. So what we would do is my parents would just take us out on weekends and we'd go different places. Over time, you know, you realize that uh, we go to college and my brother starts coming back home, picking up art and put it on his wall in his dorm room, you know, just to right. have something around because it became kind of central to him. Um, as engineers, we're problem solvers. So when we got out of college, uh, my brother and I had a phone call. Um, I had just got out of school and my father had left his corporate. Uh, once we got our scholarship to college, my father was done. He's like, all right, I'm done with corporate. He's going to do the art full time. And so we got out of school. Uh, my brother had a conversation. We said, we need to take over the business side. Of that. So we use our corporate dollars to rent out gallery spaces in Atlanta. And we realized that no one was talking to anybody our age at the time. You know, I was 23, Omar was 26. And the, the, the thing we realized that we were engineers, we, we had money, we weren't, but we weren't ever approached or no one even spoke to us about collecting. So we could go into galleries looking for art, legitimately looking for artwork and get ignored. And so I said, okay, well, this is the space for this. And so we took over the business side and we started creating these exhibitions and inviting our peer group. And converting our peer group into collectors. Um, I think it's natural as engineers to be problem solvers. So the problem was, why are we not collecting culture? We don't see, we weren't seeing ourselves in these in these spaces. We also realized that there weren't many African American art galleries, and there still aren't many African American. Still aren't. So you're one of the, you're one of the largest in the south. You're the largest in the southeast, correct? Yes, yes. But it's but if you think about galleries in general, I think it maybe, I think it, well before COVID, it was about sixty four. In the United States, African American art galleries in the United States. So 64. So that means when you think about, and that's not saying that every state has one. So it's it's kind of right. like you, you create this to uh, equate this to food deserts in a sense uh, on the part. 
right? So yeah. where do you see, where, where can you find African-American art galleries? In a number of states, there are no places. You have to jump states to get to other places that have. So we saw that opportunity there. And uh, over the years, the business grew. We worked with various artists. Um, uh, a lot of them started out as, as my father's friends uh, who are right. amazing artists, but, and they were already working in galleries, maybe even in permanent collection museums, but still we relatively had no idea who they were. And I think that's the, that became the issue. Like we don't know who our greats are. Yeah. We don't know who contemporaries are. We don't, we, you know, a lot of times we are told who our greats are um, by people outside our community. So, Amen. And we don't, so, we don't, yeah, that's a great point. Go ahead, finish. So for, for us, it was an opportunity to be able to step in and kind of help with that. And not, not saying what to buy, but more about opening uh, eyes up to the importance of collecting culture and becoming custodians of culture. Becoming custodians of the culture. I love the way you really term that. <clears throat> when I think about our culture, it's certainly, it's, it's valuable. There's no, there's no question in that. Black art is valuable, has always been valuable. The black equity doesn't always follow for a lot of the reasons you said, right? If we don't always recognize or know who our uh, great artists are, um, we we allow others to determine who gets who we get to define as great artists instead of, like you said, being custodians of the art. Talk, you know, walk with me about if you're. <clears throat> I want to take it from the perspective of both the art of the artist and the art collector. We'll start with the art collector since that's more your space. What advice as an African-American art collector would you give those who are uh, in the business, aspiring to be in the business, given that you've had some success? Like what model of advice you can give them if you would have, if you would have, uh, when you first started off years ago, the no what knowledge would you have given yourself knowing everything you have now? What would you say to these aspiring artists that are, are not, or I say art collectors that are starting and want to aspire to uh, expand their uh, collection and, and expand their reach and exposure? I think there's, there's a couple of things. One is that you initially buy what you like, you know, uh, what speaks to you. Um, art is one of the last few things where you literally, it is all about how it affects you. Like, do you like it? And I think for a lot of us, that's difficult because we're so used to being told what to like. Yeah. Uh, we live in a society now where, you know, <laughs> brand sometimes is more important than how, even how it actually fits or looks on you, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's people walking around with really expensive shoes, but their feet hurt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the validation piece that comes along with it. So, I mean, we're all guilty of this. We, you know? we, we can't help it. We, we're, we're, we're tribal by nature. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And the society that we live in, right? So, um, so first off, it's that. So there's a book by Halima Taha called uh, Collecting African-American Art. And it's a great starting point. A lot of times we always say, you know, and she also talks about this in the book as well. It's about buying what you like first. You know, uh, do you like the piece? We, 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 it's no need to overcomplicate it. When we go shopping, do we need to know how to make clothes before we purchase them, right? And also right. at the gallery, we're looking at normalizing the idea of collecting or buying buying these things because these prices, we spend this money now. As African-Americans, you know, I always tell a story at a client who came into the gallery. It's her first time in the gallery. She looks at the artwork. She says, ooh, this is expensive. And I smirked. She said, why are you laughing? And I said, we well, have on a $4,000 handbag. And <laughs> she looked down and she looked back up at the pieces because the pieces were, the pieces she was looking at in particular was less than her handbag. And she looked right. down 
And she never, she said, I never thought about it that way. And so I'm not saying don't buy the handbag. What I'm saying is for some reason, you've allowed yourself to understand or look at this and say, okay, I want this so I can get this. But for some reason, there's a mental roadblock that stops us sometimes from, create, from collecting that we right. feel that we have to be experts, but you can also buy because you like it, right? Yeah. Um, the other piece though, is that recognizing even when we look at evaluation is that the collectors are on the control. So people always ask questions like, well, well, will there be worth anything? Two, two points to that. Number one, how much, how many things do we buy that we just enjoy that we never look to resale? That's most things in our life, right? So yeah. I buy a car tomorrow. I'm not thinking about how much I can get for it after 20 years. I spend all this money on it when it's once I've enjoyed it enough, either I get rid of it or it breaks down and I get another car. Right. But the idea, so so number one, you you can buy these things and pass them down. The beauty of art is that it will not break down and you can pass it down to generations to come. But art is also there's an intrinsic value that's there that we sometimes overlook. And art is a reflection of who we are. Yes. It's a reflection of what you believe in. Someone goes to your home, they can see who you are. So it's it's really important uh outside of the the, the standard evaluation. But at the same time, the art collectors are in control of the evaluation as well. So collectors determine value of work, right? So like yeah. you never hear about an artist uh, without a collector in regards to the value of the work. And so what happens now is that a lot of times validation comes from outside our community. So we're told who our top artists are by other people yeah. who are invested in those artists. And then we go and buy the work and create more of a, a of a. Uh, and none of that, Anaji. I would just say, we tend to create the trends <clears throat> more than we're given credit for. When you look at it, there's there's no question when an artist wants to uh, uh, make sure that something gets out to the mass public. Who do they usually go to? They go to hip hop culture. They go to black people, and we are seen as okay. We we're not custodians. We help sell things, but maybe we should not. Maybe. We should definitely get into the mindset of how are we moving towards making sure that uh, not all black artists, black art collectors are getting exposure and not just uh, helping others. I mean, there's nothing wrong with promoting work from other people. I just think we have to be intentional about how we do it because we're having this conversation to make sure equity doesn't just flow through us, but to us. Right. Everybody is popular now to say black lives matter when a year ago it wasn't, Black Lives Have Always Mattered. Now I want to have a conversation. Yes, we're about equality, but I want to have more of a conversation about equity. And I think that's certainly, uh, it's certainly time for that in art and really across the board. So, uh, but let, so what about artists? Artists that approach you, when you think about, uh, you, uh, it seems like there's some similar advice there. When I, when I hear you say as a collector, it's like, understand your why. I'm hearing that, understand what really speaks to you, what moves you. Like, I know I would, I would want something around social justice impact art. That's what Rob Richardson would want because that's what I care about. Like I already know the type of art I'm going to buy because that's what I care about and that's how I feel. Um, but with artists, what do you tell them in terms of looking to raise their profile, understand how to become successful in this, in this, in this, in this creative economy? Um, one, I would always say, uh, well, I talked to a lot of uh, artists about their, their work. Uh, materials matter. Um, you're thinking about collecting. We always ask about, are you using acid-free materials? So uh, pH neutral from engineering standpoint, right? So the idea is that, is that 
Well, you want a piece of nerves, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you want a piece to last, right? So, like, if I have, if I have a piece, I want to make sure that it was. If I'm selling a piece, I want to make sure that it was created uh, with the intent that it can be passed down. So, the best materials are used in a piece. Uh, I want to know if an artist is a hobbyist, or are you uh, actual? Are you are you dedicating your life to this? Uh, how long? How do you doing tell the that? difference? Because all the time people have nine to five gigs. And like you, I think you still do consulting for tech and you still do collecting. How do you, how do how do you, how do you know when people are really in this for not just a pass by hobby, but they're committed? Like how do you as a collector make that determination? Well, from an artist standpoint, what we, you know, from a gallery, what we do is we look at how long they've been, how long they've been creating, you know? Yeah. So this is not something that is this just happened uh, where, you know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of friends out there who can sing, right? And that, that doesn't mean that they're all they're also not considered singers as well, right? So they're not so someone who can draw is not necessarily an artist. And so um, I think by making that distinction, you can look and see what they've done. Um, how long have you been around? Uh, have they worked uh, with any galleries in the past? Have they done any exhibitions? Um, really, just looking at that resume um, to understand that. Now there are the price points a lot of times dictate how much experience they have in the space. Um, a lot of times, so. You know, it's also fine to support artists who are just coming up as well. Yeah. Uh, the price is a little bit different, but I think, and I think that's also very needed as well. But Absolutely. if you're looking for um, mid-career artists, then you want to take a look at their resume as well. But also, who you're buying from. So, uh, if it's not from the artist, is it a reputable gallery? Um, asking about materials, uh, understanding what they create on, what their subject matter is. Um, and then just seeing how it connects to you as a, as a collector uh, yeah. is really important. But from an artist standpoint, it's the materials piece that's so important. Um, it's the narrative behind the work, why they're creating the work. Mm. Uh, and then understanding then that every market may not love you. So we have clients right now. We have artists right now who we sell a lot of work on the West Coast for some reason. Yeah. And they don't have as many clients here. But there's something that gravitates that collector base. And so you you have to find your your, your, your audience and understanding that every audience won't love what you do. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so many points in that. I mean, art applies the same way every other business mindset applies. Story I think about um, is, uh, is really Apple. One of my favorite books is Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And he talks about how Apple made its decision for what it was going to do with the iPhone. It seems, I mean, it's, it's great to a lot of us now, but if you look at how it started, it was really counterintuitive. Apple was like, okay, we want to design a phone that will have all these features that we want to empower individual users so they have more choice, things like that. But before Apple, if you didn't know, uh, the phone providers had to tell you how you how your phone had to be designed. And so mm -hmm. Apple approaches all these phone uh, all, the, all, all the all these phone providers with their this weird design to them. They're like, we're not taking this. All of them rejected them, every single one, except for. AT&T, which became exclusive for Apple, right? So I help, I tell, I get people like, you have to, knowing your essential purpose and being willing to make decisions on that is extremely hard because people are like, okay, because Apple could have adjusted their model. Right. Had they adjusted their model, they wouldn't have had the level of success they did and they wouldn't have that level of success unless they understood their narrative, knew who they were targeting and were willing to cut out the others that didn't believe in the vision. 
You know, it's funny. We, we had to do the same thing in the gallery. Like, you know, if, you, if we were to take the same rules that traditional galleries use to sell to primarily African-Americans, it would not work. Right. G- give me some examples. Like what? Like what are some differences about how your gallery approaches versus the traditional galleries? I think something as simple as making people feel comfortable in their space, in this space uh, and, and making it OK to ask questions. A lot of times people feel intimidated by galleries. And so, okay, well, how do we cut down the intimidation factor to keep so many people out of galleries? Um, and something as simple as speaking. I know uh, being a Black-owned business, sometimes you recognize the fact that you can, you, can, you can have a business, but you walk in, somebody walks in, and you don't acknowledge their presence, it's a yeah. problem, right? Yeah. Um, but they can go to uh, another area of town and go to a gallery where no one speaks ever. That's just not what they do. Yeah, I and, saw that in your thing. Like, there's galleries, like, that's the... the if you go by designing what the traditional path is, no one speaks and they're just, you know, and I, you have music at some of your galleries, right? To make us, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, which makes sense to me. Like I wouldn't want to sit at a gallery and not nobody, that wouldn't appeal to me. <laughs> so. And personally, I never liked it. Uh, you know, it, it almost mean, it almost says to a, to a customer, in my opinion, that you don't matter until you are interested in buying something here. And the idea about it, but in reality, you don't know you don't know who anyone is in a space, right? And so I would notice that when I went into galleries, the interest will only come after they've sized me up enough. Uh, after we've had a couple of con- or, I, or I'd have to do something to let them know, right? I'm not whatever whatever stereotype you think I am, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the difference, and I think that uh, we want to make sure then that we are also just good stewards of the community in general. And so uh, people feel comfortable and you want to make sure then that in in, in looking at generations, like when we started out being in our twenties, you know, making sure at the time, I think we could buy a couch from room to go for two years, right? You know, (laughs) first out of college. So uh, helping people understand that there are programs. We do have uh, programs where you can put down and pay over the next three months. As zero percent interest, you know, so they understand there are payment payment plans, things like that, but then begin collecting. So we, we're trying to to erase all these barriers that keep us from collecting. Yeah, I mean, this is this is right in line with disruption. Now we're about disrupting the common narratives and constructs that are put on. And I love that you didn't follow the path of this is this is how art was defined. This is the process for how a gallery is going to be. We're going to define our own process because that doesn't fit within who we are and the demographic we are seeking to serve. Anajay, man, it's been a pleasure. We look forward to work with you more. We definitely want to take any questions you guys have. We'll, we'll, we'll take this and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll address you directly within the comments. Thank you everybody for attending the Art and Equity Summit. We look forward to engaging you some more and we'll have uh, Anajay in, in some of the breakout rooms. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you.